，鬼岛之音 ，Ghost Island Media。Jaguar Jones， she was named a change maker in Australian Women in Music Award， a trailblazer reshaping Australia by Sydney Morning Herald。And selected as one of 21 women who defined 2021 by Vogue Magazine Australia. Offstage, Jaguar has been a powerful voice in the Me Too movement in Australia's music industry. She first spoke out as a victim of sexual harassment, then she became an advocate for others. Recently, she was a consultant for Revive, the Australian government's five-year plan for its arts and cultural policy. I spoke to Jaguar during one of her regular trips back to Taiwan after the pandemic. We spoke about her growing up in Australia, to a Taiwanese mother, her love for music, and where she finds the courage to speak up. Jaguar has toured across Australia, the U.S., Malaysia, Singapore, Hong Kong, Indonesia, Japan, and of course Taiwan. In fact, she plays in Taipei this Wednesday. And this weekend at Luckfest in Tainan, tickets are still on sale, and I've attached those links in the show notes. What you're about to hear is the podcast edition of Game Changers with Emily Waiwu, where I speak with emerging leaders. They are changing the world, starting in Taiwan. These are the fresh faces of Taiwan you must get to know. And after today's episode, if you want to see a video version, head on over to YouTube. We'll have a link in the show notes. This is the Taiwan Take. I'm your host Emily Waiwu. Welcome to a new conversation of Game Changers. I'm so happy to be able to catch you during your trip to Taiwan. I'm so glad we could make this happen. Yeah, so. so you come back quite often, actually. I do, except you know, COVID's kind of thrown everything out of whack.、Um, but I usually try to come back here every year or every two years. All of my mum's family is like from here and living here,、um, so it's really important for my mum to always reconnect back with her family and for us to see them as well. So your music, it's rock. It's a little punk. It's rage. It's a lot of fun. But your early influence was actually classical music. Yeah.、Um, so my mom didn't really allow me to listen to music growing up because she was scared that I would rebel and become a musician. Whoops.、Uh, she was brought up on classical music. She was a classical pianist and an opera singer,、um, and so she thought that classical music would help with. Um, intelligence <laughs> with a child growing up, and so classical music was one of the music genres that was like okayed for me to listen to growing up. And then I secretly had my own iPod where I would download music, and I feel like that's where the rage comes in, and all these different kind of influences that I've been able to discover outside of my upbringing,、um, and that's what's kind of influenced my music today. Because I know for myself, right? Like I kind of grew up. Mostly by the books,、yeah. but then there was a very particular memory I have. I was exposed to this very free way of doing art, lack of constraint, and just like making paint and just、yeah. do it and see、yeah. what happens. Right, that that discovery. What was that process like for you? Yeah, so I was really black and white growing up. I studied really hard.、Um, I studied to be an engineer,、um, and I also did my business degree. And I became a business analyst in a software development firm, so I was very like to the books. 
Um, and I didn't realize the whole time when I was growing up, I was just extremely repressed mm. and anything painful or traumatic or difficult that I was going through, I wasn't allowed to talk about it. And I didn't have that support around me either. And I think um, doing that for so long in my life, it became so unhealthy that it just like piled up and it had to kind of explode. And I did that by, I was walking past a garage sale and I decided to buy a guitar. And instead of learning how to play the guitar, I instead just started writing songs. Um, and they were horrible songs. Like, it's not like I, I like was a genius straight up. They were terrible songs. But that process that yeah. you were kind of talking about, yeah. that process of expressing yourself, being free, um, that catharsis that you're looking forward, like forward to, all of that just came spilling out of me. And I realized that my passion was hmm. expressing um, and telling my truth and creation uh, and imagination. When I bought that guitar from a garage sale, I was 20. Okay. Yeah. Did you have to hide it from your mother? Yes. <laughs> I had to hide it from everyone. Um, and I went over to the US and I started recording music and I did my first show over there and I fell in love with performance. Performance is my favorite aspect of music. And when I came back and mm. said I wanted to be a musician, no one that I knew what like my family and whatnot uh, came to see a show of mine for three years. So for three oh years, gosh. they were completely in denial of the fact that I decided to pursue something which they thought was selfish mm -hmm. um, and outside of what they had planned for me. But yeah, they are extremely proud of me now uh, and said that like uh, they're so glad that I was stubborn about doing what I wanted to do. Uh, because they're proud of what I've achieved now and they're fully behind me 100%. And I think for Asian kids, um, mm. Asian women especially, you know, you grew up being told you should do this, you should do that, right? Yeah. And I think for some of our audience who may uh, be in, not necessarily just Taiwan, but in other Asian societies, um, I, I imagine this is really inspiring for them to say, look, you know, you can, you know, you, know you, you were taught a particular way by your Taiwanese mother, yeah. um, but then you were able to break out of that um, aside from music, you're also known for your art and fashion. Mm -hmm. um, you've worked with global fashion magazines like Vogue, uh, Marie Claire, and Wonderland, and you've worked with uh, Christian uh, Louboutin mm -hmm. and also Nike, mm -hmm. right? But with all that success, um, when you were 26 years old, you made a massive decision mm. and what would have, could have really altered your career. Um, you came out as um, a uh, survivor um, for sexual assault. Mm -hmm. And then you became quite an important voice in the Me Too movement in the music industry in mm -hmm. Australia. What was that consideration like? It was tough. And like you said, it was a choice that it definitely did alter my career. I knew that, you know, by speaking up, you're taking sacrifices and risks on my career that I put everything in. Like all yeah. my eggs were in one basket. And then I decided to do something that could really jeopardize um, that basket. But I decided to do it because would I regret my choices, you know, further on in my career, looking back and benefiting from the same system, which hurt me. Mm -hmm. um, if I chose to be complicit in that system, um, and allow that system to repeat the same mistakes that really 
hurt me and so many others, I don't think I could live with myself mm -hmm. uh, in making that decision. So I knew that even if everything crumbled, um, I had to take that risk and speak up because I just could not let that s slide by. Um, but it's been very difficult and the sacrifice and the journey uh, that I've taken after speaking up about it, it does not stop and it's still going on. Uh, but if I can change one person's life and make it all worthwhile, that's what I'm holding on to. Uh, and I'm, I know I'm doing that with my actions, so I'll just keep going. And it gets easier because um, as you, you know, stay strong in speaking up, your power grows as well. Uh, and the power that has been, uh, you know, people abusing that power, I'm now able to flip that power and use that for good. So that's what I'm sticking with. So that was 2019. That was 2019. And yeah. What was the support you were getting at the time? Uh, I think the support was coming from uh, all the places that you expect it to come from, other survivors, other artists, other people who are in the grassroots of their career, mm -hmm. who don't have much privilege, power or platform. Um, they were behind me and beside me uh, that allowed me to stay strong. But the support in terms of where it should come from, mm -hmm. like the leaders of our society and people who have the power to change um, and have the resources to make a difference, they were scattered like mice and not to be seen at all. Um, but most recently, I we had a new like uh, party come into it, like after the election, okay. there's a new party that has taken control of government in Australia. And with that party, uh, they've, reached out to me and asked me to contribute to their new national cultural policy and I've been able to bring in the work that I've done um, and the review looking into the sexual harassment, bullying and systemic discrimination in our music industry and show them those results. That's incredible. You're now able to then um, advise the government on policy changes that could happen to help everybody on the on a systematic level. Um, but people to do that, um, there was something else that you did a year after you spoke up. Um, you started helping other women mm -hmm. in this process as well. So a lot of people who um, are not um, used to speaking up, mm. right? I think speaking yeah. up for anything takes yeah. a lot of courage. Um, not just courage, but there's so much to lose. Totally. Why speak up? Yeah, and I, I would say that when I decided to speak up, mm. it wasn't like I just like smashed through the doors and came charging through. It's a slow process. I spoke up a little bit, gained mm. that courage, was able to heal in that process, speak up a little bit more, you know, and it, it was a slow healing process. And so my advice to people is like, you don't have to be ready to mm. speak up. But make sure that when you do, you feel safe, that you're supported, that you're able to also look after your own needs in that process and, and heal yourself and do what feels right by you. No one has to push you or rush you in that journey. But also make sure that you're not falling complicit in the same system that hurt you and that you're not enabling others uh, to hurt in the same way that they have hurt you. Uh, so it's a really tough Yeah journey to yeah. really explain but I would just say to try and seek support and yeah. help um, and do it in your own way 
I was able to speak up in the media, but there yeah. are a lot of other survivors who are, you know, fighting alongside me who did it in their own way and it didn't have to be in front of the cameras. So they've, there have been warriors everywhere in yeah. my journey. So much courage, but also so much um, support system. Yeah, definitely. Um, to be able to do that. But then by doing so, you're inspiring so many more people around you um, to make that really tough decision. Yeah, yeah, I just hope that we can, I'm only doing the work um, after other people who have done the work before mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And I'm just continuing that work. And I hope the next generation can continue chipping away yeah. um, at that work so that we can live in a better and more safe society, which we all deserve. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a break here. And uh, when we come back, I want to ask you about, you know, balancing that two cultures, the Taiwanese side and also the Western side. Awesome. Sounds good. Cheers. <laughs> hey. If you have enjoyed the Taiwan Take and would like to support Ghost Island Media, we take monthly donations on Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash Taiwan. And please give us a good rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This helps other people find the show. All right. Thank you. And back to the show. Hey, welcome back to Game Changers. We've been sitting with Jaguar Jones. She's an artist, musician, fashion icon, a trailblazer, one of the faces of the Me Too movement in the Australian music industry. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your background, which mm -hmm. is really interesting to me. Um, you were born in Japan, mm -hmm. and uh, when you were six years old, you moved to Australia, where your father's from, mm -hmm. your mother's Taiwanese. How did being biracial kind of shape the way you look at the world when growing up in Australia? Yeah, it's definitely really complicated, um, but it didn't feel complicated at the time. It felt because you were so young, mm. it just felt like something I was doing was wrong all the time. Mm. Um, and I didn't realize that it was a systemic issue that I was fronting. But when you're a child, you can't quite comprehend or process that. Um, I was bullied as a kid for being half white and half Asian. Uh, and it was like I couldn't fit in anywhere. And when I moved to Australia, I didn't speak English at all. So there was that language barrier to have to, you know, overcome as well. Uh, and then I was being brought up by my Taiwanese mother uh, in a very westernized Australian society. I was discussing this with my friend the other day, who's also half. Uh, we were talking about how we felt like we didn't belong anywhere. Yeah. And saying Australian, um, you know, is understood differently to different people. And when we're in Australia, we can't say we're Australian. We have to explain why we look the way we look um, and have to explain where we actually come from to get to a place where we're now living in Australia. Uh, but, I think it's what makes me special as well. Uh, and that the way I create my art and the way I create my music, it comes from this melting pot of so many different influences and cultures and upbringings. And, um, and that's an amazing and beautiful thing. Uh, so even though it can be sometimes my demise, it is also my inspiration. You started to visit Taiwan again quite frequently since you were 14? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, my relationship with my mum's side of the family have been a strange one. Mm. Uh, I think 
a lot of it I didn't understand, but I understand it more now. Mm. Um, you know, when my mum had a really hard time um, and she wanted to bring me to Taiwan so that she could raise me here because the only place she was allowed to be in was in Taiwan. But at that time, Taiwan only lets you get citizenship from your dad's side or if your dad gives permission. Um, and so my mum couldn't get me here. Uh, and that said, on top of that, the way her family sees it, I don't belong with them. I belong with my dad's side. Mm. Um, and even, you know, talking about my Chinese name, mm -hmm. they really didn't want me to take my mum's Chinese name and neither did my mum. Mm. So they created a whole new surname for me that no one else had because my dad doesn't have a Chinese name. Mm. It's just only I used it. Uh, and I always felt like as a kid, why am I not belonging anywhere? Uh, I understand it better now, these traditions and these kind of old structures of the patriarchy that's still left behind. Um, and I've been able to do reading and research because if I confronted my family and asked them about things, um, the way they handle things is with silence um, and just denial and, mm -hmm. you know, suppression. Mm -hmm. uh, looking into Taiwan's history, I'm able to understand why that's kind of filtered through into intergenerational trauma and also intergenerational coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I realized the way that it ha has been passed down to me comes from some place. And um, I've now learned that like, I do feel, I've always felt Taiwanese. I didn't realize people really struggle with the identity of Taiwanese because I was brought up by my mom who was so Taiwanese. Um, and you know, that heavily influences everything I do. Uh, but looking into Taiwan's history, I understand it's a really complex mm -hmm. issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that makes me even more Taiwanese is the fact that when you go through resilience and through trauma and you come from, you know, a, a whole bunch of many different places and you come into this one place, we all have that understanding together. And that's what makes us Taiwanese. So happy to kind of hear that, that, you know, to you actually is some, that evolving identity, something that gets stronger. So for other, I think, half Taiwanese kids what advice do you have for them during this journey i mean it's it's so complex right like it's yeah. hard for me to say this is what you are or give advice to it but i really think that like um it's up to you you define who you are and and where you feel your identity belongs and go exploring if you grew up here i'm sure it's a lot more simpler but if you've grown up in other countries come here and like mm -hmm. you know explore and eat the food and the cultures and you know i i think that taiwanese are an extremely friendly group of people as well um and it's always going to be such a complex issue um, but i'm so proud to be half taiwanese and you know be able to bring that back to a place like in australia where they don't understand what taiwanese is people always think i'm half thai <laughs> <laughs> because thailand is a really popular right. holiday destination um, but I'm so proud uh, and I hope that people also feel proud to share that culture and that unique background and that complex, um, complicated and difficult journey to be a Taiwanese person carries through in your own work. Yeah, um, we're, I'm so proud of your accomplishments. <laughs> I mean, your dynamic career, it is so cool that you're able Thank to you. 
do so much and being so creative and free and just kind of, you know, as what you said earlier, have that courage to just say, you know what, I've decided this is what I want to do. I'm going to prove you wrong yeah. because I love this. It's my passion. I'm going to do it really well. And all of a sudden, 2022, you're recognized as the trailblazers <laughs> of Australia. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I feel like that's a very Taiwanese trait of mine. I don't know if all of your mothers are like that, but my Taiwanese mother is the most stubborn person I've ever met. And once she makes a decision, she's just like, like going through. And that's what I'm like. She passed that down to me. So even though she hated the fact that I rebelled and made a decision outside of what she wanted for me, she doesn't realize that she passed that trait down straight to me. And that's what makes me who I am. Well, thank you so much for sharing, you know, that journey with us and get a glimpse on kind of what it what it is like to be you um, as a creative person, but also as a Taiwanese person and also an Australian person. Mm -hmm. um, before we let you go uh, to go back to your family activities, yeah. um, it's a question that we ask everybody here. You know, out of all your accomplishments so far, how much was given to you versus mm -hmm. how much did you have to fight for? Um, I would say I had to fight for all of it. Mm. Um, I guess I come from a really complicated background. Um, when I moved to Australia, I wasn't, um, I didn't move with my parents at all. So, um, and my mom had to fight uh, all the time. She got her Australian citizenship when I was 14. By that time I was an adult. Mm. Um, and so I feel like that, you know, difficulty of trying to make something of myself Ever since I was a child, I just knew that I wanted to break out of those lower socioeconomic um, ceilings that were over my head, that I wanted to smash through those uh, and make something of myself and put shelter, food um, and safety uh, over my head and around me on my own like accord, that I wasn't going to wait for anyone to do that. So I think that applied in the, in the uh, creative industries as well, because the arts industry is tough um, and you got to have tough skin to make it through. Um, so, yeah, I would say I had to fight for all of it um, and I still am fighting for it. Um, but I don't know. It's kind of what like I'm into. I love fighting, so I always will fight for what I want. Um, and I'm grateful for the people that I have around me to make that fight easier. And in turn, you are helping others to fight too and, and providing that inspiration for us, for everybody yeah. to keep fighting. Thank, thank you. you so, so much for joining us. No, thank you so much for having me. And it was such an honor to meet you. Likewise. <laughs> Jaguar Jones, a fighter, a trailblazer, a creator, a musician, a game changer definitely in showing us it is okay to be a bit vulnerable, to be yourself, to fight for something that you believe in, and in turn you're making yourself happy and you're changing the world around you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for watching. If you're also a game changer in your country, um, fighting the same fight, please reach out to Jaguar Jones. And as for me, Emily Waiwu, you can find me on socials. You've been watching Taiwan Plus. Follow and subscribe on all social networks. See you next time. The video version of this interview was broadcasted on Taiwan Plus, the TV channel. We'll have a link for you in the show notes. I'm your host and producer, Emily Wai Wu. Our associate producer, who also helped with scripting, is Ting Ye. Researcher is Min Chao. 
Assistance are Gerald Williams and Teresa Yang. Podcast editing by Dino Lin. Our director for the video shoot was Leticia Fan. Kaylee Emerson was our post-production supervisor. Video editing by Emma Chow and Vivi Wong, with additional production support by Elaine Lai. Thank you for the executives and colleagues at Taiwan Plus: Shirley Kang, Callie Kuo, Eric Yang, and Jenny Luo. See you next time.